they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Thank you so much. You notice my wife is actually in the studio with me. Yay, team. Love that smile, Mary. Mary, today we have a special show, and I, might, I always say they're special, not just because you're going to be doing a Thursday's reading from the gospel, but then this Sunday's readings also, which are very, very important and where we, bit, where we get fed. But we have some questions regarding spiritual warfare, and there's one story I just want to up front just share this, and then we can get to the gospel, because today I read it, and I was so moved. Mm-hmm. And it's in Spirit Daily's website. It says, when the sharpest pain becomes the greatest joy. Wow. A 78-year-old priest was suffering from neck and head cancer, along with malignancies in the lung. And upon transfer to the pain management facility, uh, the priest was, you know, really in intense pain, the doctor writes. But the doctor's writing this story because the priest said, look, I'm okay. I, I request no palliative care. In my case, I'm a priest. I want to die like Jesus died wow. on the cross with much pain. Wow. As he offered his sufferings for the salvation of souls, I want to imitate my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by dying similarly with pain. Wow. And he pointed out that Our Lady of Fatima pointed out that you know souls are going to hell because no one is there to make sacrifice and to pray for them. So he wanted his last effort on this planet to cooperate with the pain that was being uh, put upon him in his last agony. As first chapter of Colossians says, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. He united his suffering, his final pain, for the salvation of souls. I don't want to get into the whole story. I just want people to read it. It's on the Spirit Daily uh, website. And it's beautiful when he died, what happened. It's a teaser. I want you to read it. Mary Danielle, thanks for letting me put that in because that fired me up all day today. I was just like, wow, what a what a model priest. Right. And that, that article is from July twenty first, two thousand twenty. So absolutely, and that's it. You know, we, we um Jesus didn't come to remove all, remove all suffering from the earth. No. He he came to fill it with his presence. That's right. And so that's why the title is um when the sharpest, you know, joy, sharpest pain becomes the greatest joy. That yet yeah, joy in the midst of pain and suffering? Whew. Yes. When we unite our sufferings to Jesus Christ. Incredible. And this is what all the saints have told us. And and actually people, just ordinary people every day have found that when we unite our sufferings mm-hmm. to Christ, it becomes a joy. Yes. And it's it, and hey, read the article, enjoy it. Oh, it, it made me realize as Fulton Sheen always said Every action's like a blank check. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think about how there's there, the world. Can you hand me that Bishop Sheen book? The world, the cover, that's right on top of it. The world has been giving us, nope, you just dropped it down there. Uh, the world is giving us uh, a bad vibe. Thank you. Where, because they're giving us a false teaching. They say the big, this is the big lie in our world, that we can live without God. Well, we can't live without God. And when we live with God, every action has meaning. And I say this because the world we're living in right now, biblically stating, we're not living a biblical life. We're living a me, myself, and I life. Right, which is not a true life. It's not living no. the truth. We're, we're running away from the truth because God is truth. 
And if we run away from God, we're running away from the truth. That's right. So we, we, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. The truth is not some concept that's abstract and I decide what's true for me and what's true, you decide what's true mm -hmm. for you. No, the truth is a person. God is the origin of all that is. God is the creator. And so all truth comes from God. Praise God. Anything that's true comes from God. So yeah, we, yeah. and if, if we live as if God doesn't exist, we're living a lie. Yep. Because God does exist. And we don't need faith, by the way. It's not an article of faith that God exists. It's, it's a self-evident truth that I can know through the light of my own unaided reason. I can know that God exists. Now, to know who he is in and of himself, yeah, well, this, I need faith. By the way, if you want faith and you don't have it, you don't think you have it, ask God for the gift. It's a gift. Ask him for it. And then ask him for more faith every day to increase it. It's like any gift. It can be lost. And it's like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it will be lost. Mm. You know, if you don't exercise your muscles, they atrophy. That's your right. faith also. And the exercise of faith is prayer. And prayer is a loving conversation with one who loves us. Well said. Now, the gospel uh, for Thursday. For Thursday. For th and uh, this is the 30th of July. And um, it's the 17th week in ordinary time. And the gospel is from Matthew 13, 47 through 53. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea which collects every kind of fish. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels, the angels mm -hmm. will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them, the wicked, into the fiery furnace wow. where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Mm. Do you understand all these things? They answered, yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who is instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. When Jesus finished these parables, he went away from there, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So on Sunday, if the priest read the shorter version of the gospel, he didn't read that part. But if he read the longer version of Sunday's gospel then that was also part of Sunday's gospel. And what we have there is we have the parable. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a net that's thrown into the sea. And it collects all kinds of fish, good and bad. Some fish you can eat. Some fish you can't eat. <laughs> some fish are deadly poisonous. So you have to separate them. And the deal is, is in this world... While we are still living in the pilgrimage, yes, we're building, we're supposed to be building the kingdom of heaven here on earth, but the kingdom of heaven on earth is not a permanent dwelling place. We're looking for our permanent dwelling place, which is with God in heaven. But while we're in this world, just like the other parables where it talks about the, the good stuff and the bad stuff are all mixed together. And the good, where's the good is those who follow God. And we have to constantly... And the good and bad isn't just the other people around us. It's within our heart. Mm. You know, it, each one of us has to decide whether we're going to choose God or reject him. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that's in every action, every thought, word, and deed of our life. Every moment of our life, I have to decide whether that moment is going to be directed toward God or directed away from him. And that's a choice that I make with my will. And the devil doesn't make me do it if I turn away from God. And neither does anybody else. My will is free, and unless I make a free choice, by the way, you can't sin if your will isn't involved. You're, 
sin involves the will. Sin is in the will, and, and it's in sin is that will where we turn away from God, even in little things where we choose some small created thing over God. Maybe not a mortal sin, mm-hmm. maybe not serious moral evil, but little stuff. You know, I have my attachment to my hot fudge Sundays or my entertainments and not to the point where I'm neglecting my duty and impoverishing my family, but nonetheless, uh, you know, indulging myself and not really looking for God in that moment. I'm just mm-hmm. looking for myself and my own relaxation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying relaxation is bad, but if I'm looking for relaxation for its own sake and for myself only, then yet, yeah, then that's not oriented toward God. My relaxation should be um, a form of recreation, recreation. In other words, to renew me, to be able to do my duty, to continue doing my duty, to continue my prayer life, to continue growing closer to God. But in this, in this world, every moment is either getting closer to God or getting away from him. There's no standing still. You're not, you're not just, you can't just mark time in the spiritual life. You're either going upwards towards God or you're sliding backwards away from him. So we have to strive. And so the good and the evil are there. And it's not just the people around us. It's our own soul. We have to examine our own hearts. Where is my heart in relation to Christ? Where's my heart in relation to attachment to the things around me? You know, people, somebody once said, well, you know, if somebody hurt one of my animals or kick one of my animals, I might be so angry I'd kill them. Well, then, then you have a problem there, that if you would be willing to kill another human being because they took a, an animal from you, um, that, that's a serious disorder. You have a disordered attachment to your animals. The same, you know, if we say, by the way, even if you're fighting for your life, you don't have a right to say, well, I'm going to kill you because you're making me angry. No, we can't choose evil, even if a good is going to come of it, or we think a good's going to come of it. We have to say, no, I'm defending myself and I will defend myself and I'll use whatever force is necessary. And Lord, keep me from falling into the sin of anger or the sin of hatred in the midst of this defense of my life or the defense of the life of another person. Chesterton once said, a good soldier doesn't hate what's in front of him. He loves what's behind him. He's defending his family, his country. And so there's that difference. And so the good and the bad, first of all, Christ has to separate the good from the bad in our own hearts. We have to ask him to do that. But he also, you know, he allows the evil to exist because he gave us freedom. And that's something we don't understand. And a lot of people get really upset. Well, God, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, God created abortion or, you know, this nothing can happen if God doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, God doesn't will it. No, 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 no. Nothing can happen that God doesn't allow. And no, God didn't create abortion. Abortion is a sin. Murdering a child is a sin. And I don't care, you know, what, you know, what your reasons are to kill an innocent child is wrong. It's a serious moral evil. And to say that a mother has a right to kill her child, what universe are we living in? As Ben Shapiro always says, people wake up. What universe are you living in? Since when does a mother have a right? Since when is this a private choice of a mother to kill her own child? Now that's, that's, there's a serious disorder going on here. And so the good and the bad exist next to each other. We have to fight for the good. We have to fight for the coming of the kingdom. And that means we have to fight for the triumph of truth and the triumph of Christ and goodness. You know, Bishop Sheen says, the evil which God permits must not be judged by the immediate effects, but rather by its ultimate effects. So when you go to a theater, do you not walk out because you see a good man suffering in the first act? No. You give the dramatist credit for the plot. Why can't you? We'll be right back with much more. 
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eye to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code, the NPR, to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code BMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. According to St. John Paul II, being a Christian means saying yes to Jesus Christ. It consists in surrendering to the Word of God and relying on it, but also endeavoring to know better and better the profound meaning of this Word. May God grant that we always rely on His Word, read it often, and put it into practice. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So in this gospel, we have the angels going out in the end to separate the wicked from the righteous. And what will happen to the wicked? They will be thrown into the fiery furnace. Hmm. Hell is real. And as a, a very good priest once said, if you don't believe there's a hell, look at the cross. Really, 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 really take a good, long, hard look at the cross. Why would he suffer so much if there wasn't something very terrible and very real from which he wished to free us? And, and there is. And he, God didn't make hell for human beings. He made hell for Satan and, his, and the angels who fell, who rebelled against God, the disobedient angels. And so in that fiery furnace, there will be wailing of grinding of teeth. There will never be any happiness. There will never be any peace. There will never be any contentment. There will only be eternal hatred and, and frustration. And, said, and he said, do you understand all these things? And they replied, yes. And he said, every scribe was instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the wise householder who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. And the deal is, 
The beauty of God is ever ancient, ever new. We don't throw out the old to bring oh. in the new. God bless you. Thank you. And, and, none, and also the new doesn't exclude the possibility of further development and understanding, deepening our understanding and our love relationship with God. So there's this constant growing and growing, but always building on the past. And by the way, this is a beautiful thing about Vatican II. You look at the footnotes. It builds on the teachings of the church. It's constantly, the church is growing in her understanding. She's constantly having to grow and develop. And that's just the reality of, of who the church is and what she is. And so this whole thing here, yeah, uh, it's interesting because this particular gospel talks about the fact that you have the good and the bad, and they're all there together and mixed together. And, and actually, some of it's actually just within our own hearts, not just the people are, you know, around us. It's like um, we can never infallibly know if we're in the state of grace, right. but we can infallibly know if we desire to be there. So St. Joan of Arc at her trial, her, her judges had tried to accuse her of heresy. They mm-hmm. couldn't find any heresy in her. So finally they said, Joan, dear child, are you in the state of grace? And she said, if I'm not in the state of grace, may God put me there. And if I am, may God keep me there. And that may not be in a direct quote, but it's a paraphrase of what she was saying. And essentially what it was is, I don't know infallibly if I'm in the state of grace, but I certainly desire to be there. So I ask God to put me there. And they couldn't accuse her of heresy. Hmm. As she said, oh, yes, I'm in the state of grace. They go, ah, heretic. Yeah. You know? And here she was just a peasant girl. She wouldn't have known. It's like, well, yeah, I think I'm in the state of grace. I went to confession. I haven't committed any moral sins that I'm aware of. I haven't you know, done any serious moral evil with full, full consent of the will and full knowledge. So I think I'm in the state of grace. But I can't know infallibly. But I can know infallibly if I desire to be. Do I desire to live in union with God? Not in union with my own will, not in union with my own idea of who God is, with God himself as he exists. And he did reveal himself. And that's, I, yes, if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. So where does this spiritual warfare question come in? And, and here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I had two people this past week ask questions about spiritual warfare and specific circumstances in their life and things that are going on. And it's like, well, where do I get help? How do I, you know... And, and so I want to address the whole question of spiritual warfare because spiritual warfare doesn't necessarily mean that the devil has some kind of um, power over me in terms of demonic possession, all right? We're all in a spiritual war. Spiritual warfare began when God created man because Satan had already rebelled against God. He had already fallen from God's grace. So when God created man to live in union with God, Satan was jealous No, I don't want this man to choose God. I don't want him to be in union with God. I want him to rebel against God. I want him to Mm. follow me. You know, misery loves company. There you go. You know, remember something. The devil was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And the deal is, he's not a God. He's a creature. And he's a coward and a bully. You know, resist him, Peter says, that your opponent, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion. Resist him, solid in your faith. The devil's intellect is very high, though. Right. And I think we have to acknowledge that he's very clever oh, absolutely. at what he does. Right. And, and as the Irish say, yeah. which is not quite true, but they say the devil knows not so much because he is the devil as, right. as rather as because he's a very old man. But he yeah. does know much because he's the devil because yes, he he's an angel. Yeah. And even oh. though his intellect is darkened by his sin, mm-hmm. nonetheless, there is no human being that is a match for his intellect. You, you know, Mary, one of our friends, Father 
James McCurry used to say a night, his mother used to have a nice thing to say about the devil. And I was like, how can you say anything nice about the devil? And Father McCurry said, well, my mom would never say anything bad about anybody. So she came up with something nice about the devil. And I said, well, what is it? And the mother said to Father, well, he does his job very well. Yeah, he's very, he's very persistent, isn't yep. he? Uh, this ain't, you know, he's prowling about like a roaring lion. That's right. All the time, all the time. We have to resist him. And this is the spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Satan tempted Adam and Eve to rebel against God. Right. And instead of calling on God, first of all, they were, they were in the vicinity of a tree they had been told not to eat from. So being in the vicinity of that tree, that's called the near occasion of sin. You're supposed to avoid the near occasion of sin. You're not supposed to hang around with it. All right. So if 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 drinking one or two beers makes you drunk, you don't go to the bar and don't even go to the grocery store alcohol section and look at it. Don't buy it. Don't have it. Don't don't you know. And and if if you go to the bar and then you spend the money you were supposed to give to your family on too much drink. Well, no, don't go to the bar. Don't you know, in your life, identify what the near occasion of sin is for you. And it may not be the bar. It may be eating too much ice cream. It may be eating too much sugar. It may be eating too much of the wrong food that makes your body not able to do your duty well. It, it may be that you are addicted to pornography. It may be that you are just lazy and don't want to get up and do your work every day. You know, um, whatever it is, there are 10 commandments. Go through them. You know, there there, there are seven capital sins. Go through them. What is my major fault? What are the sins? And eliminate them. This is the spiritual warfare we're engaged in. And for those out there who have troubles and think you might be being bothered by spirits, number one, if there's trauma in your past, trauma will lead to things in your life that can appear to be demonic that aren't, that simply arise out of the wounds of trauma. Okay? So we need to pray for the grace of discernment. We need to go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. If you've had several marriages in your life, go to the tribunal and start filling out the paperwork and figure out where you are in, um, in relation to God in regards to your marriage. Get that straightened out. You know, if um, you've been in an abusive relationship, know that that can cause a lot of trauma in your life and you may need a lot of healing. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that the devil himself is in there getting at you. It could just be that, that you, you know, have these wounds. Now, if you've dabbled in the Ouija board or uh, tarot cards or the occult or Wiccan or, you know, some people like to think, well, I'm a white witch. I only do good. No, honey, there's no such thing as a good witch. A witch is a witch. And by the way, a witch is a real person, a witch or a warlock. They're real people who've given themselves over to Satan to get something. But remember, Satan is not God and he's a strict legalist. Yep. So if you give yourself over to him, you're going to have a heart. Now you, it's not impossible. He has no power except what God allows him. And if you call on Jesus Christ, he can free you from the power of Satan. Even if you are involved in the occult, even if you're a, a Satanist, Jesus Christ can free you. And we have blessed Bartolo Longo, a Catholic saint who is, who was a high priest in, in, in Satanism, and he was freed by the power of Jesus Christ. You know, and we've known people who, you know, unwittingly or, or willfully got pulled into Satanism but have been freed by the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has the power to free you. But don't necessarily assume that what you're suffering is that, okay? 
But be careful. You know, if you've had several marriages, you need to get your marriage situation straightened out. You know, marriage was created by God. He made the laws that, that govern marriage. And he made marriage as a sign of his own life. You know, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community of love and life, three persons who love one another and who are fruitful and who are constantly giving and pouring themselves out in love and always for the other, for the other, for the other. And so God created man and he made marriage to image his own life. This community of love and life that is fruitful and always I give up my life for the sake of my spouse. My spouse gives up his life for my sake. I don't belong to myself. I belong to my spouse. My spouse doesn't belong to himself. He belongs to me. That's cat. That's marriage. This is Amen. what God made. And yeah, it's between a man and a woman on earth. Only. Only. It's, that's marriage. It's be, and, it's, and, and those two people have committed themselves for life. They've made their vows before witnesses because marriage affects all of society. And so, yes, there have to be witnesses there for your vows to be valid. You can't just go somewhere and say, oh, I'm going to be with you forever. And now I've made a vow to you. No, you have to have witnesses. And for a Catholic, you have to follow the marriage laws of the church. And that means you have to be free to marry. You have to be in the state of grace when you get married. Or you have to at least be, um, as for, to the best of your knowledge, in the state of grace. You've confessed all known mortal sins and received absolution. And you have to pronounce your vows in the presence of an official witness of the church and two other witnesses. That's the, so follow the marriage laws of the church. You have to be marriageable. You have to be free to be married. You know, if you were already married before and you're hiding that, by the way, no marriage. Right. No. So, you know, get those things straightened out. And know also that our life is a constant battle. But, but we don't have to be frightened about that. And that's... We have to know, and this is the, the beautiful thing in Ephesians, Paul talks about, well, Peter talks about it too, and in, in that we resist the, you know, the devil, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, 8, be sober, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. All of the church is suffering. We suffer in the spiritual battle. It's okay. Jesus suffered. We can offer our sufferings like this beautiful priest that Terry read about from mm -hmm. Spirit Daily who offered his suffering willingly and even didn't take pain medicine so that he could offer sufferings like Jesus did on the cross. And in, in the second um, chapter of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul talks about imitating Christ's humility. So if there is any encouragement in Christ any incentive of love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing for selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped. I'm reading Philippians, not Ephesians. Yeah. But this is very apropos, because why? What, how do we fight that battle? By being like Christ, by being Christ-like and giving up our own will in order to serve others and to bring Christ to others. 
and I hear that music, and there You're just right. isn't enough time in this no, world. No, <laughs> but you know, these are podcasted so that you can listen to these shows over and over again by going to Virgin Most Powerful Radio on all of our shows. Listening to the Bible with the Barbers will be back in a quick moment. Healthcare news today seems to be coming from everywhere and everyone. It's confusing, at least, and untrustworthy at the worst. Dr. Asetta is a faithful Catholic in the Kern County community. He is trustworthy, well-researched, and will only give expert opinion on matters in his own specialty. Catholic teaching at its entirety is of utmost importance to Dr. Asetta. Give Dr. Asetta a call for your obstetrics and gynecological needs at 661-695-6617. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And we have here, we were talking about spiritual warfare. And I was going to read to you from Ephesians, but somehow I got to Philippians too. And I think it this is a Holy Spirit moment. You see, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And what's the best way to fight it? Humility. Christ's humility. So we were reading this passage here in um, Philippians 2, where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men and being found human in form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in spiritual warfare, you ha- we have to remain humble. We need to beg God for humility, and we can ask Jesus for a share in his humility. So this is really appropriate because the Holy Spirit is showing us, yes, if you're going to engage in spiritual warfare, we have to be humble, mm-hmm. like Christ, who was humble enough to die on the cross. But I also wanted to bring um, in Ephesians 2, what we have in Ephesians 2 is we have the description of man without God, right? And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. He's referring to the devil there. Mm -hmm. The spirit that is now in the prince of the power is here. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So the devil's in at work in those who are disobedient. Remember this, when you want, when we want to participate in disobedience, when we say we have to disobey, and I'm not talking about civil disobedience, I mean within the church and the legitimate laws of the church, any legitimate law of the state also, when you start disobeying for the sake of disobeying, that's the rebellion of the devil. We're following the enemy of our soul. We're following the enemy of God. No, there's a civil disobedience, yeah, when a law is unjust. For instance, when the Supreme Court says that a woman has a right to kill her baby. We need to fight against that. And we need to inform women that the child they're carrying in their womb really is a child. You know, it's not, it's not a thing. It's not a blob of tissue. It's a child. It's a baby. And it loves you. It depends on you. So among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the body and mind. And so we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What is Paul saying? When we follow the passions of our flesh, the desires of our body and mind, we become children of wrath. We become slaves of sin. There's only one thing that can separate us from God, and that's sin. Sin is the one thing that separates us from God. And sin is freely chosen. The devil doesn't make you do it. And if someone's coercing you, it, it's not a, it's not, you're not freely choosing. In order for it to be sin, you have to freely choose it. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive through, together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's through Christ that we conquer. And this is the only way to win the spiritual battle is to remain in union with Christ. And that means to live in his grace. So we have to fight against the tendency of sin within us. And it's interesting because Sunday's gospel, the beginning of it, Thursday you read the second part of it, Mm -hmm. but the beginning of it, it talked about... um, in the very beginning of Sunday's gospel, the first, and we're in your A for the gospels, um, it talks about, Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and Mm -hmm. buys it. Well, Okay, so the kingdom of heaven, 
Jesus is trying to help us to understand what is the kingdom of heaven like? Well, the kingdom of heaven is worth so much that you sacrifice everything for it. And, and that's, first of all, we have to give up our sins. And then we have to give up our attachment to the things of this world, even legitimate pleasures. And eventually we have to give up our attachment to ourselves, our own ideas, maybe our own preconceived notions of what God's kingdom is supposed to look like. You know, we need to ask the Lord. You know, we're told that the word of God is living and effective. We need to ask the Lord to make li- the, his word living and effective in us. You know, it might be a good idea. Both of us have had the great opportunity of doing an Ignatian retreat. Right. And when you read the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola, which you can get on the Internet, and you can actually get the spiritual exercises, he walks you through everything you're talking about where you, know, you do your examination of conscience. Um, it's just, a, I think, one of the best tools the church has to offer on spiritual exercises is the St. Ignatius Retreat. So I would recommend you can do it at home even. Yes, you can. Yeah. And it takes you through uh, all of the steps of giving yourself to Christ. And you know what I noticed about following Christ that I'm sure our listeners would attest to? The closer you get to Jesus, I mean, you realize how serious sin is. Right. When you don't care, or let's say you're just kind of lukewarm. Yeah. It's whatever. Right. But once you make that serious step of wanting to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, right. you start realizing I'm a sinner and I need the mercy of God. Exactly. And and the deal is when you look at the cross again, not only is it the greatest proof that there's a hell, it's the greatest manifestation of the love of heaven. Mm. And, and it, it shows us how serious sin is. Look at what he suffered. And he suffered this to free us from the power of sin. Sin degrades us. God hates sin. Yes, God is capable of hate. There is holy hatred. We should hate sin. And if we don't, then ask the Lord for the grace to hate sin. And it's true. When we draw closer to the Lord, as we draw close to him, if you walk into a dark room, you don't know how dirty it is, or you don't necessarily know where things are. There may be obstacles you could trip over. There may be a lot of dust around. And you don't see it, so it doesn't bother you. You know, maybe it would bother you if you tripped over something. But, you know, okay, I tripped over it. Now I know where it is. I'll be careful. But if somebody turns the lights on, Mm -hmm. and then you begin to see, oh, well, maybe we should dust a little here and Uh dust a little there. Maybe we should organize these things, you know. Mm -hmm. And the deal is this is what happens in our lives when we draw close to God then the light of Christ comes into our life. It's not that we broke into his light. It's that he came crashing into our mm-hmm. darkness. He brings his light into our darkness, and he illumines everything that needs to be changed in us, and then he changes it. But we need to give him permission. You know, Father Frank Pavone was on the Terry and Jesse show last Monday. It's a podcast. Awesome. And he talks about that very thing when he was 16 years old. Wow. He had this experience with Jesus Christ on Corpus Christi Day when he was 16 before the Blessed Sacrament and had a grace of realizing that it is really truly Jesus Christ. Wow. That got him, like St. Ignatius, off his horse (laughs) and get serious about his faith 
started going to daily mass, was serving at the altar at age 16 for the first time. Wow. And then he figured out that through adoration of the Blessed Sacrament that God was calling him to be a priest. Wow. And he shared that and much more. So if you want to hear Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life demonstrate what my wife's talking about. Yeah, there go you to the go. podcast for the Terry and Jesse show last Monday. What would that have been? The twenty eighth of twenty seventh, twenty seventh, Monday the twenty seventh, July, and you can check that out. It's a beautiful testimony of what you're saying. Right, and that's as we come close to Christ, the light of Christ. But and the other thing is, as we draw closer to Christ, we realize more and more that you know what? Yes, sin offends God, and it mm-hmm. degrades me. But he doesn't hate me. We begin to become immersed in his love so that as we grow closer to him, there's this growing sense of awe and reverence in his sight. This is what the essence of fear of the Lord is, by the way. It's awe and reverence in his sight. Mm -hmm. Fear of the Lord is not a trembling. Fear of the Lord is this awe and reverence in the sight of God that I never would want to do anything to offend him because he is so good so holy, so beautiful, so true. And I want him to make me like himself. And so, you know, Gemma Galgani used to say, give Gemma Jesus and see how good Gemma can be. (laughs) In those days, children didn't make their first Holy Communion sometimes till they were 14. Mm -hmm. And so Gemma desired to receive Jesus in Holy Communion. And that's the deal. Jesus makes us good. We don't make ourselves good. We don't earn our way to heaven. Catholics don't believe they earn their way to heaven. It's a free unmerited gift. You know, what is it we say in the act of hope? Oh my God, relying on thy infinite goodness, mercy, and promises. On thy infinite goodness, mercy, and promises, I hope to obtain pardon for my sins. The help of thy grace and life everlasting. Relying on you. It's through you. You're the one who's giving it to me. It's a gift. We don't think that we're, we're doing this. We're not earning our salvation. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and this is, anybody can do this. I don't care what denomination you are. Sometimes we think that we have to earn it because of the way we raise, because of the way as we as humans administer discipline. Right. We, we get the idea. And it's not a conscious idea. It's a subconscious idea. Mm-hmm. We think we have to earn God's love. Right. We don't. It's freely given. And that's the parable of, of the kingdom. God's kingdom, God came and freely he established his kingdom, but we have to do our part in making it a reality in our life. The kingdom of God is not something we have to, you know, far away that we have to go and find. Right, Mary, just a quick note for people who are wondering about questions. You can go on our app, the Virgin Most Powerful app, and ask questions. Mary does most of the answers for those, along with Jesse. You can do that anytime on our app. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. When we come back, we'll have our final segment. I hope this is helping you fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. said in Luke 17, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have only done our duty. According to St. John of the Cross, God is pleased with the little deeds we do in secret. He takes more pleasure in these than in a multitude of grand works that we may do out of the desire to be seen by others. 
May God help us to do the things that please Him and not just to appear great in the eyes of others. How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before, at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Wow. We're back. We're back. Thank you, Jesus. And so, in these parables of the kingdom, it's interesting because the kingdom isn't, isn't gotten by stealing it. The man finds a treasure in a field, and he doesn't just take the treasure and leave. He, he goes and he buys the field. It says that he hides it and he goes and he sells all that he has and buys the field. Mm -hmm. So he gives up everything that he had to to obtain that treasure. But he gives up something. He's doing something. And I'm not saying that we are meriting our salvation or we are earning our salvation. But God requires our cooperation because he made us free. Right. And just like in a marriage, it's not... Oh well, you know, I'll do this and this and this and you do this and this and this. No, it's it's we both give a hundred percent of who we are to each other and we work together for the good of the family unit. Mm-hmm. For so that God can be the center of our Amen. family. Amen. And that there can be peace and harmony in our home. And it's the same in our relationship with God. We give everything back to him. It's everything that we have is a gift from God. We just give him back all the gifts he gave. But nonetheless, he desires this. He desires us to give this. Mary, let me jump in. You know what's so beautiful about that? God gives all these gifts to us. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves uh, with us to have free will to give it back or to keep it. We can live a selfish life and not even think of God. And God allows that. He allows you right. to reject him. Yes, he does. But he also gives you the grace to say yes and give everything you got from God back to him. And, you know, that is something I'll just share, and then you can comment on this. 
the great spiritual writers that I've read have said this, and this is pretty much, I think, our culture right now. Many people I try to talk about the gospel, they'll say, oh, I've read the Bible. Oh, I've done this. I've done that. I just can't. I just have doubts. And I, I really think it comes down to people don't really think that God's big enough to take care of them. That, that, that somehow, you know, if I don't do it, it won't get done. And giving myself back to God can somehow show some weakness. This is like the culture. But when in fact, what they don't get is that the very self-act of self-giving back to God, the graces that are given back to you are sufficient for you to stay away from sin because you've showed your self as wanting to live according to God's will in your life and the graces will be there. Now, if you don't decide to do that, God's still going to allow you uh, to come back. I mean, there's always time to come back. But But if you repent, but the very fact of repenting and wanting to go back to God, those graces are there not one time, not two time, every time. Every time that you sincerely repent. And that's that's the reality, and it's the goodness of God and his, his amazing um, generosity toward us. He gives everyone sufficient grace to choose him and to know him. Yep. And yeah, you know what? Doubts? People, there's not a saint in the world who didn't have doubts. That's right. We're human. We don't see God face to face on this earth. We're on a pilgrimage, and we have to constantly strive against as we read earlier in this Bible study today on, on Bible with the Barbers, against the, the, our flesh yeah. and, and even our own mind, our, the ideas in our mind. We have to be constantly renewing our mind and disciplining our flesh to choose the right way, to choose the way that leads to God, which is the keeping of his commandments and following his will. And doubts, yeah, they're going to be doubts. What, how do you think the apostles felt on Good Friday? Uh, doubts? Do you think they had any doubts? Oh, gee, no, of course not, right? No, they all ran and hid other than John who went and got the Blessed Virgin Mary. True. He went and got Mary and he stood at the foot of the cross with Mary. He was only the only one, one of the 12, stood at the foot of the cross. The others ran and hid and they stayed hid. And it wasn't until the resurrection on Sunday and even after, you know, when they had people who witnessed the resurrection came to them and they didn't believe it. It wasn't until they saw the resurrection wasn't there with him that first day a week later and jesus comes back yep and he says go ahead thomas put your finger in the nail parks and put your hand in my side stop doubting and believe and yeah doubts there will be always but that's what faith is about it's that trust like you said yes god is big enough god is god and i am not people do you think you made yourself how did you come into existence? Do you have a belly button? Check tonight. <laughs> if you have a belly button, you're connected to the past. You didn't make yourself. And if you didn't make yourself, then there had to be someone who made you. Right. And you say, oh, well, my parents made them. Well, who made your parents? Well, their parents <laughs> made them. Who made their parents? Their parents are great, great. But you can't have infinite regression. Nope. There has to be a point at which someone had the power to say, let this exist. And that's God. Mary. You told me years ago that there was a nun friend of yours who was having doubts up in the San Francisco area where you went to school. And she came to the acknowledgement that she needed to ask God for stronger faith. And I've been 
mentioning that that's what I was told for decades. I every day ask for more faith. Can you tell? I mean, that's a principle that doesn't work just for one person. Everyone needs to be doing this, asking Jesus Christ for stronger faith every day. Absolutely. And so what's that story? What was it? Well, I mean, actually, I, I, the story that I have is, is this, um, was about myself. Oh, that, and that was, was story, my, that. my okay. faith was under attack, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And I was losing my faith. I was at school mm-hmm. in San Francisco. I was at the University of San Francisco, and I was studying. And I just, I, I was like, Lord, you're losing me. What, what is this? And, but my mother had taught us. Yes. If you think you're losing your faith, mm-hmm. go and ask God to help you. Wow. Pray. Yes. Prayer is the work of faith. So if you don't think you have faith, ask God for it. And then you need to nourish that faith with prayer. And what is prayer? A loving conversation with someone who loves you. And by the way, the prayer that I prayed wasn't a formal prayer. I just went and looked at the crucifix and I said, Lord, you're losing me. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know why. Wow. I haven't chosen mortal sin that I know of. I'm not conscious of any mortal sins, but I'm losing my faith. Mm-hmm. But you're the one who paid the price for me. Yes. What does it mean to you? Yes. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't very long before mm-hmm. he made the lights come back on. Good. And I mean, psh, within days, within days, the lights came back on. And I realized, and I, then I realized also what was happening. My faith had been under attack in one of the classes. My faith was being daily attacked. And this is, it's so subtle. You know, people say, oh, well, I'm not denying this tenet of the faith, but... Whoa, as soon as you hear someone say, I'm not denying this particular tenet of the faith, but yes, they are. That but just denied it. And now they're attacking your faith. And our faith is like the seamless garment of Jesus Christ. At the foot of the cross, the soldiers cast lots for it. Because if they had divided it, the whole thing would have unraveled. It was woven from a single thread. So you can't cut it up. It'll all unravel. So they cast lots. Your faith is the same. If you take one doctrine out, the whole thing unravels. And, and so, you know, this is, and so if you think you're losing your faith, you think you don't have faith, ask God for the gift of faith. And then every day in prayer, say, Lord, I want to believe more firmly. There was a beautiful prayer. There was a, um, there, there was a priest who was at St. Dennis and he's going back to India and he had, he, there's this prayer and I can't remember now who it was from, but they used it in the Godspell. And I only know this because when my sisters were in high school, they were in the glee and they sang the songs from Godspell. Mm-hmm. And there was that one song day by day, day by day. Oh dear Lord, three see things I pray right. to see thee more clearly, to love thee more dearly, to follow thee more dear, nearly day by day. That's actually from a saint of the Catholic church. <laughs> and, and the deal is, yeah, Every day, Lord, I believe in you. Increase my faith. By the way, I hope in you. Increase my hope. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. Trust is a part of hope. I love you. Let me love you more and more. And you can ask God to lend you his love with which to love him. My God, lend me your love with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve. And lend me your heart, Jesus, to love my neighbor, that I can love my neighbor as you have told me to love. So the kingdom of heaven comes at a great price. The great price of giving up myself, yeah. my own will, and giving up my sins, and, and disciplining my flesh, and living according to God's command. And that means living in service of others. Yeah. Jesus Christ didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So we serve one another. You know, we're supposed to be like Christ, right? Who, who gave himself up unto death, death on a cross. 
Why are we so afraid of death? I don't know, but uh, COVID-19 sure is making that real clear that the culture is very afraid. You know, Mary, Wow. when you lose your life, you gain your life. That's right. When you lose your life for Christ, you gain life. Exactly. But Because when we only live for ourselves, we're living a very narrow life that's not leading us to heaven. It's not leading to eternal happiness. And I want to just throw this right back to marriage, because Mary kind of alluded to that about husbands and wives. And I want you, our listener, whether you're the wife or the husband, to know something that's very profound, that your salvation is tied in with your vocation as a husband or a wife. My job is to get her to heaven. I've been working on it for over 30 years. <laughs> We're still working to get him to heaven. And when we realize that, that gives us such a focus outside of ourselves. So when Mary is cleaning the house, uh, she can um, look at every action as serving God. Right. When I take the trash out, which is part of my job, I can not just do it for her and for the household, but I can offer it to God. Absolutely. Every little thing. Every little and thing. And when you realize that, life is exciting. It is exciting. And it's Jesus, it's for love of you, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for the sins that offend God. Yep. And, and Our Lady at Fatima said, stop sinning. Stop offending God, who is already too much offended. Back in 1917, she said yep. this. People, we need to wake up and we need to realize the kingdom of heaven comes at a price. Yes. You don't think it has a price? Honey, it has a price. Amen. Jesus Christ shed every drop of his blood and not mm. just, you know, quick and easy. He suffered. He sweat blood in the garden. He was scourged. He was crowned with thorns. And by the way, before he was even taken to Pilate, the guards at the palace of the high priest, you know, hit him in the face and, and mm. spit on him and blindfolded him and made fun of him. So, yeah, we have to leave behind sin and, and our attachment to the things of this world in order to gain something that's eternal. That's right. You know, the, what was it? The sufferings of the moment are nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us, Paul says. Amen. So are we willing to give up the things of this world in order to have the glory revealed in us. God's glory will shine through us. God shares his glory with us. I just want to give a plug to our new show, Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Tyler Diocese. Well, he's on every Tuesday right after the Terry and Jesse show. We've got one of the best bishops teaching us the fundamentals of the Catholic faith. What a novel idea, Mary. <laughs> awesome. I think it's great. And Mary, what state should you be living in? The state of grace. All right. And if you're not, get the confession. Amen. May God richly bless you and your family here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught 
all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.